So the overall goal of this paper was to gain a better understanding of what risk factors influence the development of attention problems in children after they've had traumatic brain injuries. Welcome to the HAP MNR Journal Club, a podcast where we introduce you to thought leaders who are published in the American Journal of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. This is a show about practices, research, and education that are shaping the field of physiatry in inspiring ways. The Journal Club is brought to you by the Association of Academic Physiatrists, or AAP, an intimate and influential professional society that brings together leading minds at every career level. Physiatrists and professors, directors and med students, researchers and residents, this is your behind-the-scenes look at people and ideas that will influence your future. Your host is Dr. Eric Wasatsky, an AAP member with Georgetown University School of Medicine. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Wasatsky coming to you from the MedStar National Rehabilitation Hospital in Washington, D.C. Thank you so much for joining us again for another episode of the American Journal of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation Journal Club podcast. I'm very honored today to be joined by one of our PGY4 uh, residents who is currently applying for uh, pediatric rehab fellowships, which is perfect for our pediatric rehab topic today, and that's Dr. Kate DeGraff. Uh, Dr. DeGraff, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, excited to have you and very excited to uh, introduce our guest today uh, is Dr. Priya Balikal uh, is joining us from uh, Cincinnati Children's. She is an attending physician in the Division of Rehab Medicine and an assistant professor at University of Cincinnati Departments of Pediatrics, Neurology, and Rehab Medicine. So lots of hats there at Cincinnati Children's. Uh, we're excited to interview you today about a recently published article, Biopsychosocial Factors Associated with Attention Problems in Children After Traumatic Brain Injury, a Systematic Review. Dr. Balikal, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're really excited to talk about this very interesting uh, newly published article. Uh, We were hoping we could start off by uh, having you give us a brief summary of the work and your findings here. Absolutely. So the overall goal of this paper was to gain a better understanding of what risk factors influence the development of attention problems in children after they've had traumatic brain injuries. And we thought this was an important question for a few reasons. One, it's known that children who have traumatic brain injuries have higher rates of attention problems than the general population. And two, we know that children who develop attention problems after injury have worse functional outcomes than those who do not. So we thought it was important to have a better understanding of exactly which children are at higher risk for attention problems after brain injury so that we can screen these kids early and provide interventions when appropriate. So we conducted a systematic review of the literature, and we looked at all studies that assessed risk factors for clinically apparent attention problems following pediatric brain injury. Forty studies met our inclusion criteria, and these studies looked at a variety of potential predictors that we grouped into the three categories of biological risk factors, psychological risk factors, and social risk factors. We found that overall the evidence is fairly mixed. Um, but there were certain factors that consistently associated with development of attention problems after injury. Those included the biological factors of younger age at injury, as well as more severe or multiple traumatic brain injuries, 
psychological risk factors included the presence of pre-injury ADHD, as well as poor pre-injury adaptive functioning. And social factors included lower socioeconomic status and poor pre-injury family functioning. Very, very interesting. Thank you for uh, sharing those findings and can't wait to talk about this more. I'm going to pass the microphone to Dr. DeGraff for our next questions. Thanks, Dr. Ozowski. Um, So starting off with one of the major findings that pre-injury ADHD was associated with significantly increased risk of long-term attentional problems after particularly severe TBI, um, can you discuss in what ways pre-injury ADHD might be complicating the rehab process and the recovery process from TBI for these patients? Absolutely. Um, So pre-injury ADHD can complicate recovery because kids who have attention problems have different needs than typical children when it comes to their learning environments. And so this applies not just in academic settings, but also to their rehabilitation programs where kids are focusing on learning or relearning various functional skills. Um, So children with ADHD often need a more structured therapeutic environment, as well as repetition and additional time for learning. Um, Aside from that, it's important to consider things like the environmental stimuli in the room where they're receiving therapy or the times of day when they're getting their treatment. If these sorts of ADHD-related accommodations, as well as any necessary medications, are not considered during their rehab course, that can certainly impact their participation as well as their overall recovery. Thank you. And thinking about maybe in particular in the role as physiatrists as consultants and team leaders, what role can pediatric rehab medicine play to identify these particular patients um, that are at risk of these long-term attention problems, and how may that influence our recommendations for these patients? In my opinion, um, which is certainly biased, uh, the role of the pediatric rehab physician is critical for these patients in identifying risk um, as well as screening for attention problems. Um, Pediatric rehab doctors follow these children both acutely after their injuries as well as long-term, and we are the doctors whose role it is to really optimize their function and their overall quality of life. With kids who've had brain injuries, attention impairments can absolutely impact their functioning, Um, so it's important that we screen for these issues regularly. We should screen for them, you know, acutely as they're recovering as inpatients as well as long-term when we're following them in outpatient clinic since we know that attention problems can be a complication of brain injury. Um, And then if we find attention problems, it's within our role to either recommend further testing, such as full neuropsychological testing, or recommend treatments with behavioral management, medications, or um, recommendations for accommodations at school. I think you really nicely outline the role, maybe just one of the roles of the pediatric rehab uh, physiatrist uh, in your answer there. And I'm not one myself, but I can certainly attest to uh, the great need for more pediatric rehab medicine doctors out there. And I've told Dr. DeGraff, applying for fellowships now, that the world is her oyster. It seems like every department uh, in the country is trying to hire more pediatric rehab medicine docs. So I hope some people listening to this podcast will uh, become interested in that uh, career pipeline. But back to your paper. So as you kind of reflect on some of the findings in your systematic review here, does this kind of inspire you towards uh, thinking through some new research questions, research projects, studies in the future that might uh, further answer some of these questions about attention? 
Yes, absolutely. I think one of the great things about systematic reviews is sort of figuring out what has been done, um, but also figuring out what need there is in um, the body of literature that's out there. Um, So when we were doing this study, we found that there's a pretty limited understanding at this point in time of the neurophysiologic changes that are associated with the development of attention problems after brain injury. And in addition to that, there has not been a lot of work identifying biomarkers that could be used for prognostication or for monitoring of treatment responses. Um, I think future work can be done to develop both clinically-based as well as biologically-based risk scores that can be used in a clinical setting so that we can identify children who are at the highest risk of attention problems after injury um, and so that we can inform management recommendations more specifically. Um, Dr. Baliko, putting this a little bit into um, the context of, of current times, so we're recording this in October of 2020, and the COVID-19 pandemic is still um, very much influencing daily life right now. Um, so given the role of school and teachers in particular of identifying attention problems in children, how do you think that the ongoing um, school closures and virtual schooling might be impacting this patient population? That is a great question, Dr. DeGraff, um, and it's a very important and challenging question, especially in these times. Um, students with attention problems in general tend to struggle more than their peers with online learning, um, and that's partly because there is a lot less structure in place online versus being in a classroom. Um, and additionally, the lack of in-person interaction with teachers can make it difficult for them to identify attention problems. So in a classroom, a teacher may see that a student is easily distractible and moving around in their seat, um, whereas in a virtual setting, they may only see that the student is not turning in their homework assignments. Um, So by no fault of the teacher, it would be a lot harder to um, diagnose ADHD or to see that there is an attention problem at play. Um, In my opinion, this just highlights the importance of the pediatric rehab physician in asking these questions and in screening for attention problems in children who are at risk um, and for providing education to families about things to look for um, if their children are struggling with their online assignments. I think as a pediatric rehab physiatrist who kind of has an understanding of brain injury and the potential effects for learning for children, um, we can help sort of bridge that gap between our patients who are at home and their schools and teachers and help them get assistance that they need to have more successful academic experiences, even during these crazy times. Thanks for that really interesting answer. And uh, of course, we can't talk enough about COVID, right? Um, (laughs) And, you know, this is going a little off script, but I'm, I'm more just curious you know, in your practice at your hospital and with your group, uh, how would you summarize how this crazy time we've all been going through in this pandemic has kind of influenced your practice in terms of what you're seeing or not seeing, how you're providing care? You know, how would you kind of summarize the impact of this time on what you do? Yeah, I think it's been a pretty steep learning curve with regards to transitioning from a hands-on physical exam and seeing kids in person to doing a lot of telehealth. Um, Many children who are pediatric rehab patients are high risk for a variety of reasons. And so we want those kids in particular to stay home, um, but we want to be able to provide the care that they need. 
Um, so it's been an interesting balance in terms of providing care remotely and seeing them over a video screen and having their parents assist with their exams, as well as being able to bring them in for certain procedures that they may need for spasticity management or just for in-person evaluations that you know, really can't be done um, virtually. So it's been an interesting mix and an interesting learning curve. But I think um, one thing that I have seen is that people have had a lot of grace and understanding in this sort of situation and are really trying to work together to make the best of it. So that has been a positive outcome of it. Nice to hear that. We're, we're all adapting. <laughs> so taking it back to this review in particular, something that I found interesting was you specified in the paper that task-oriented attention measures in the absence of clinical symptoms of attention problems were an exclusion criteria. Can you expand a little bit on why those studies would be less relevant to the goals of, of this review? So the goal in this particular paper was to understand risk factors for clinically apparent attention problems after TBI, um, because those are the problems that really have a functional impact for our patients. Um, There is a variety of task-oriented attention measures, including um, a lot of neuropsychological tests that can evaluate different aspects of attention, but a low score on an attention test does not necessarily translate to a real-life issue with attention. Um, So we wanted to make sure that we were including kids who had actual clinical symptoms of attention problems. Um, In addition to that, there are many task-oriented measures that examine attention, but there really isn't an accepted gold standard in the neuropsychology community. Um, So selecting which tests should be included and which tests shouldn't um, gets a little bit tricky, especially if the overall focus isn't on um, true clinical symptoms of attention problems. Thanks for that answer. Um, We're getting close to ready to uh, wrapping up our podcast episode. Um, One thing I often like to ask people is just questions about physician wellness, which has always been important, um, but probably more more important than ever uh, during this difficult time we're in. For you, have you found anything particularly helpful for you to maintain your wellness and sanity uh, during this time or, or seeing things that your colleagues are doing? Um, I think for me, during this time where things are just so different from normal, having a routine that I can rely on has been really helpful. Um, For me personally, my routine often involves regular exercise, relaxing and watching TV at the end of the day, um, still staying in touch with people who are close to me outside of the medical world. Um, And I think we've all become so reliant these days on Zoom and FaceTime and all of these other ways of staying connected with people. Um, When things shifted very dramatically from, you know, in-person to telehealth, it was really maintaining the routine of having clinic every day and seeing patients, even though it was remotely, that um, kind of kept me feeling like I was doing what I wanted to be doing and, and having that satisfaction from my job and my personal everyday life. So, I'm certainly a creature of habit, and I think finding ways to maintain routine and normalcy has been really helpful for me. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that with us. As we get ready to wrap up, um, Dr. Belikal, did you have any uh, last comments, anything else you wanted to share regarding uh, the study? I will say it was a really fun process going through this study, and it made me... um, 
kind of recognize how much work has been done in the world of pediatric brain injury, but also um, how much work I think there is still left to be done. So um, as you highlighted earlier, I'm excited that there are more people joining the field of pediatric rehab medicine. Um, and I think it's really a great career opportunity and just a wonderful field where you can make impact on a lot of people. So think about it for those of you residents out there who are deciding what you want to do with the rest of your life. Absolutely. I agree. I know Dr. DeGraff agrees as well. Absolutely. Uh, so, yep. Yes, indeed. Uh, well, wonderful. <laughs> well, we're going to wrap up. Thank you so much uh, for spending this time with us today. For those of you listening, please be sure to uh, open up uh, the American Journal of Physical Medicine Rehab uh, to read the study. Again, I will tell you the title, Biopsychosocial Factors Associated with Attention Problems in Children After Traumatic Brain Injury, a Systematic Review. Uh, please read it for yourself. Dr. DeGraff, thank you for joining me as my co-host today. And uh, Dr. Bolikal, thank you for being here and sharing your knowledge uh, with us. We wish you the best and uh, hope to see everyone on our next episode of this podcast. Thanks so much. 